0: This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodwell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. Hello, I'm Josh Hayes, and I'd like to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. In the first Astronomy News Roundup of this year, we pay tribute to a great pioneer of spaceflight. We discuss a solar system to rival our own, and gravity-driven winds on Jupiter. That may have been one small step for Neil but it's a heck of a leap for me. These are the words of Bruce McCandless, the first human to make an untethered spaceflight, who died on the 21st of December at the age of 80. McCandless was immortalised in what could be one of the most stunning photos ever taken, when in 1984 he used a jetpack to fly, untethered, 100 metres away from the space shuttle Challenger. There were actually two manned manoeuvring units, or MMUs as they were known, on board the Challenger, and with the help of his crewmate Robert Stewart, McCandless was the first to fly in both of them. He described the experience. I was grossly overtrained. I was just anxious to get out there and fly. I'd been told of the quiet vacuum you experience in space, but with three radio links saying, how's your oxygen holding out, stay away from the engines, and when's my turn, it wasn't that peaceful. It was a wonderful feeling, a mix of personal elation and professional pride. It had taken many years to get to that point. In the images of him during these flights, McCandless has his visor down so that he cannot be seen. Whilst this is due to him facing the sun, in an interview with The Guardian in 2015, McCandless noted about the photo, It's also one of its main attractions. My anonymity means people can imagine themselves doing the same thing. Like Neil Armstrong said in 1969, I was representing mankind up there. McCandless was more than just a guy in a jetpack, though. He actually helped design the MMUs, was part of the Space Shuttle crew which delivered the Hubble Space Telescope to orbit, and was the Mission Control capsule communicator at Houston for the Apollo 11 mission, speaking to Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin as they took their first steps on the moon. His voice is the one that you can hear as Mission Control. All of us at the JODcast would like to pay our respects to one of the great pioneers of spaceflight and pass on our condolences to his family. A solar system to rival our own. Until the 14th of December, the star Kepler-90 was known to host seven planets, putting it just one planet off, matching our own Sun. An AI built by Google discovered the faint signals of a transit by an eighth planet, placing Kepler-90 equal to the Sun in terms of the number of known planets that it hosts. The AI was able to find a periodic dip in flux from the star, which had been missed by human researchers and existing algorithms. This is an incredibly exciting leap forward in the use of machine learning techniques and identification algorithms in the field of astronomy. Kepler-90 is slightly larger than the Sun, coming in at 1.2 times its mass and radius, and six of its planets are so-called super-Earths, thought to be terrestrial or mini-Neptunes, which straddle the line between terrestrial and ice giants. The other two planets are gas giants around the size of Jupiter, There are several interesting things about this system. The planets are arranged similarly to our solar system, with terrestrial planets closer to their host than the gas giants. This is currently the only other system where we've seen this on a large scale, though this is possibly due to selection biases with our detection methods, where we are more likely to see so-called hot Jupiters as they produce a larger transit signal. However, whilst Kepler-90s planets are arranged similarly to our own, they are much more closely packed, The entire system of eight planets can fit inside the orbit of Earth, leading to them having particularly high temperatures. The discovery of this system is good news for planetary scientists, as it will allow us to further probe how large multi-planet systems form and evolve. And finally, my mother always used to tell me not to pull faces in case the wind changed and I got stuck. On Jupiter, changing winds have been an even bigger problem as until now we've had no explanation as to why Jupiter's jet stream changes direction around every four Earth years. Researchers using NASA's Infrared Telescope Facility, or the IRTF, in Hawaii, may have worked out the mechanism behind the mystery, gravity waves. Gravity waves are waves in a fluid which are generated by the gravity of a planet, for example, the waves the wind causes in our oceans. They should not be confused with gravitational waves, which we've discussed many a time on the Jodcast which are waves in space-time and are generated by the motion of massive bodies. The team have proposed that gravity waves are set up by convection low in the atmosphere of Jupiter, and these waves then rise up into the stratosphere. These waves then lead to the jet stream over the equator changing direction, an effect which is known as quasi quadrennial oscillation, or QQO for short. The measurements required to understand this process were made using the Texas Cross-Eschel spectrograph, mounted on the IRTF. This instrument allows for measurements of the motion of thin vertical strips of Jupiter's atmosphere through Doppler shifting of spectral lines, and these measurements have led to the current theory. Jupiter is not unique in exhibiting this phenomenon. Earth's jet streams change direction about every 28 months, and Saturn's change around every 15 Earth years. Understanding how this process can occur, and the effects which it produces means that we can explore how atmospheres in a variety of planets behave, evolve and contribute to the features of that planet.